Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples, UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Thank you very much for downloading the podcast. Coming up on today's show, we talk about Conor McGregor going from two belts to one belt. There's not a cat in house chance. Anybody took that off him face to face. Stripped Conor McGregor publicly, but no fucker's been round to take that belt off him. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Nick continues this legacy of predicting upcoming fights in the middleweight division. And he chucks in a name that we thought had gone. Dirty from left field. He's brought in Chris Weidman. Where's he come from? He wasn't even in the room two minutes ago, man. He's here now. And Nick likes to pull me up every time I mention a new favourite fighter. Hi, Joanna. (laughs) What was that? Yeah, he's just said Demetrius Johnson's his favourite. And and no, baby, I know he usually says you're a favourite fighter. You know what he's like. The wind changes, he changes. All right. Okay, I'll let them know. All right, okay. Bye, bye. You're listening to the Fight Disciples Podcast. Welcome to episode 56 of the Fight Disciples Podcast. This one is all about the UFC. Um, if you don't subscribe to us, please go to fightdisciples.com. Sign up. Never miss out on any of our weekly content that we give you. Every Thursday, uh, we specialise in talking about the wonderful world of mixed martial arts, in particular, the Ultimate Fighting Championships. Uh, now then... There's so much to talk about, i.e. UFC Melbourne with a fantastic finish for Robert Whittaker. But before I get to that, I think um, I want to start with the stripping of Conor McGregor. This just comes across as a little bit of a mess, Nick. I'm going to be honest with you, right? Because I think it was quite obvious that at some point, one of those belts was going somewhere. I just don't think 14 days after him becoming the champ champ, is quite fair on him. Maybe there should have been more of a defined road as to why this happened. I understand why it's happened, because they need a title... Um, or some type of title up for grabs at UFC 206. Do yeah. you think that if DC doesn't pull out of the fight against Rumble, uh, we're even talking about this at this moment in time? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But you're right, that's a 206 in Toronto is a pay-per-view event. Uh, the pay-per-view audience in America need a title fight at the top of their bill, evidently. And, um, you know, the only way they could they could keep that fight as a pay-per-view was by promoting Max Holloway against Anthony Pettis to a to an interim title fight, so that's what they've done. I tell you now, they may have stripped Conor McGregor publicly, but no fucker's been around to take that belt off him, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> all this all this relinquished bollocks, right? There is absolutely no way that he's gone, yeah, all right, lads, yeah, you can do that. I'll I'll help you out with UFC 206. I'll, I'll sort that out for you. There's no yeah. way that that's happened, has there? Absolutely, definitely not, no. It wouldn't surprise me if Conor didn't even know about it. 
you know, he probably first heard was when he read it on uh, read it on the breaking news sites, you know. But uh, listen, there's uh, as I say, there's no way anybody's been round there and took that belt off him. I wanna, I, I wanna put your mindset into the thoughts of Jose Aldo because what's happened here, right? So Conor was the one four five champ. They have taken that belt off him. They have set up a fight for the interim title between the two guys that you've just mentioned there that are going to go head to head. Uh, in Toronto, Pettis and Holloway, yeah? But they've given the full belt back to the previous champion. All right, yes, he had it for a long, long period of time. But he got knocked out in 13 seconds. And they've just gone, turned around to him and said, there you go, mate, you can have your belt back now. What, how does Jose Aldo re- respond to that? It's it's a strange one because Aldo has come out and i seen one quote from Aldo. It was, it was translated from Portuguese, so... But it was like, well, you know, he wasn't really the champ anyway. He called it a I've, fluke, yeah. He called it I've a fluke. I've always didn't been it? the real champ. I thought, fucking hell. You've got took, some balls to say that, man. It, well, it took me 13 seconds to read his actual quote, and I don't know whether that's, <laughs> I don't know whether that's like, you know, some kind of omen, omen or whatever. Yeah, but I thought, come on, Jose, mate. You know, at the end of the day, you literally you just can't come back with anything like that. You know, it's uh, he'd have been better off just going. You know what? I don't want it. I'll fight for it. Exactly, yeah. If he I'd says that, just then remain. I go, fucking fair play, Jose. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather, he'd have been better off just going, listen, fight for whatever you want. I'll fight the winner, and that'll be for the actual title. Because, you know, it's just coming up now. I think December will be the 12-month anniversary since Conor knocked Aldo out. So to not defend the title with a 12-month period, that's fair enough. That, that happens, yeah, absolutely, that happens in sports. I think... I, I'm does it happen, off, does it happen in the UFC though? Doesn't happen in the UFC. It, does, it happens in well, boxing. Canel Cain Velasquez was heavyweight champion. Didn't fight for about three years, and he didn't strip him. So, the uh, yeah, but you're uh, not taking the belt off Cain. He's a big motherfucker. You're not well, going exactly, over there, yeah. are you? But but I'm all for, especially in the UFC where there isn't this this alphabet soup of title belts. I'm all for if a, tra- if a champion doesn't defend his belt within a 12 month window. Then they become like a champion emirates, and they take the belt off them, and two other guys go and fight for it if they haven't, if they're not scheduled to fight at least. Yeah, and I think that should be like a a, a, a rule right across the board in the UFC. If you don't defend in belt within twelve months, gets taken off you, and when you're available, you'll fight for the belt on your first return. So, I'm not too upset about the fact that they've taken a belt off someone that's been inactive in that weight division for almost twelve months. I think. Yeah, you're just holding things up anyway. When you look at the broader picture as well, Conor ain't ever fighting in featherweight again. He ain't ever going back down to featherweight. He certainly isn't going to go back down for his next fight. So it makes sense to strip him. To do it 14 days after he made history and he climbed on the cage and all that, okay, that leaves a little bit of a bit to taste, but they've got to have a title fight for Toronto. Something had to happen. The only good thing is that the, the great way to look at it, I try and look at the positives out of it, and the positive is that Max Holloway finally gets a title shot. Yeah. And he can deserves a title shot. So that that's the, the positive to take out of it. And as I say, Connor was never going to go back down to featherweight in his next fight anyway. So it had to happen. He can't just keep hold of the belt forever. But I'm telling you now, when Connor does return, I guarantee he turns up with two belts. <laughs> he will not. He just because just because someone else is parading the belt around saying they're the featherweight champion yeah. does not mean for a second that Connor will not be walking around with that belt and calling the other belt a phony belt. And to be honest, he'll have a point. He will have a point. And his, his record of not defending uh, his titles does continue, <laughs> doesn't fact, it? Because exactly. Te- yeah, because technically he's not defending it. He's Four not the world title belts, zero defences. It is ridiculous, mate. Um, thoughts towards DC? You know what I think about him as a fighter? He bores me a little bit, but as a man, I think he's an absolute top guy. I think he's a really top guy. He comes across brilliantly on the television. 
I feel for him, man, because he can't catch a break. Everything that happened with the John John stuff, he, he was visibly gutted that that fight didn't uh, materialise. Then you've got this situation where we're talking, yeah, you're headlining the big one. You and Rumble going toe-to-toe at 206 in Toronto. And what's he done? Is he torn his groin or something? He's, he's torn a yeah. muscle in his groin or something torn like that? His, torn his groin, yeah. Just and it, you know, what, just weeks after they announced Luke Rockholder, that's a pull-out of Melbourne, the fight card from Saturday mm. night because he'd been injured. You know, and then that was on the back of Kane pulling out again from but his last DC, fight because he was injured. You've got a feel for DC, though, man. It's, it's, it's this, it's this whole American. T- you know, they're, they're not doing themselves any favors at AKA American Kickboxing Academy in California. All three of those guys are on their night are the best in their weight divisions. You could argue middleweight. They could. So what's they, going on? Are they working them too hard then in the cage behind the scenes or what? I don't know. They, apparently they've re they've reorganised how they train. They've they've sorted themselves out. And we were told earlier this year that they'd Kane had come out and gone right. We've we've changed the way we spar. We've changed the way we approach. We're going to be a lot fitter now. And since then, him, Rockhold, and Cormier have all pulled out of headline events because mm. of injury. So. I don't know what those guys are doing here. Obviously, Kane and DC especially, their background is very, very high-level wrestling. DC obviously went to an Olympic Games. Kane Velasquez was an absolute stud. So, a stud wrestler. So, the bodies are battle-worn. You you didn't have to justify a stud wrestler. You could go with stud if you wanted to. That would have been all right. Yeah, it's fine, mate. If he wants to go around shagging birds, that's fine. That's it, yeah, exactly. No offence to any ladies that listen to this podcast. I apologise for that. Or Kane's wife, who'd probably knock you off for (laughs) saying such a thing. But but the point is, you see, they need to to drastically sort out... uh, Khabib? Khabib's in that camp as well, and Khabib's got a history of pulling out of fights, pulled out of a fight with Tony Ferguson in the summer. Mm. They need to sort themselves out at AKA. They need to, because we're being denied big fights, and it's holding these guys up. I'm gutted for Cormier, of course I am, because you know, I would have wanted to see the Rumble fight again. I thought he was outstanding for the first Rumble fight. He yep. brought out the best in him. So I was really looking forward to that fight in Toronto. And, you know, I'm disappointed it's off the bill, but to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm more... The positive of Max Holloway finally getting a title shot kind of overshadows that for me because that kid, man, he deserves it. He deserves his moment in the sun. He deserves his opportunity at the top of a UFC pay-per-view card. I think he does a number over Anthony Pettis. He goes straight into a fight with Jose Aldo for the undisputed title. And for me, he probably goes into that fight as favourite. You mentioned Khabib's name there. Now, I'm a big fan of him when he's in the octagon, but he's doing me heading at this moment in time. He's on his social media, everything about him. I'm just thinking, Khabib, shut up. We just had two weeks ago, yeah? Connor's done the champ champ thing. We're all still dining out on the champ champ thing. We know he ain't going to be around until May. Just shut up. Pipe down, yeah? Take your fairy hat somewhere else for a bit, yeah? It's going to happen. You will get your shot at becoming the champion. Whether it's against Connor, I don't know. But you will get your shot because you're a a top, top fighter. It's going to happen, mate. Pipe down. I like the fact that my boy, Tony Ferguson, this week has uh, has chipped up. Saying the similar thing to what I'm saying right now by saying, shut up, right? He's on a better... Tony Ferguson's on a better win streak than Khabib is at this moment in time and deserves uh, a shot at the lightweight crown. Khabib pulled out of a fight with Ferguson. Exactly. Jog on, man. You know what I mean? Your time will come. winning. Exactly. So Ferguson's absolutely right. You know, he's right in the frame as well. I think that fight... Now, now we've heard obviously Connor's entering fatherhood. He's going to be out of the out of the octagon. We're led to believe until probably around the summertime at the earliest. Yeah. 
So those guys have got to get it on. You know, whether it's an interim title fight or maybe just a, a final eliminator fight, that fight's got to happen. The UFC, Dana White's already making noises about doing a big show in Russia in 2017. Khabib versus Tony Ferguson is a hell of a main event. Absolutely. And Tony Ferguson would go to Russia and fight Khabib. Mm. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But... That's a great fight. Great fight. Both of them are an absolute nightmare for Conor McGregor for completely different reasons. I'd, I'd love to see that fight. And I, I, I kind of like the way Khabib's being very vocal because, you know, we've just pointed out you've got to be vocal these days to, to make it happen. If you want big fights, you've got to do your talking on the mic. So I get why he's doing it. I just think some of it gets a little bit lost in translation. Especially when I don't speak Russian. That's yep. a, that's what it is. Did you see uh, the rumour that Masassi fancied the uh, Rumble fight? Yeah, I did. He's and nails. Uh, he's my boy, and he's nails. He don't give a shit. He'll fight you at any weight, mate. He'll take exactly. them all on. That's Musassi all over, isn't it? Well, if you remember at UFC 200, when John Jones uh, got popped and failed the drug test and the yeah. Cormier fight was off. And they went was, with Silver. And Anderson Silver ended up getting a fight. Musassi was the one who was like, I'll go. I'll fight. I'll come and fight Cormier. I'll do that. I'll fight for the title. Yep, I'm ready. Send me over. He's a beast, man. He's an absolute beast, Gagard, isn't he? I love him. It was, love him. I think they were up for it. I think it was uh, Rumble that didn't fancy it. He wants to wait for DC. That's what he, he wants. He wants a title waiting. shot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he's waiting for that. But Masassi, he's got balls of steel, hasn't he? He's just, he's just done a number on Uriah Hall in Belfast. We saw him, what he did in Manchester to Vitor. And he's like, yeah, I'll step up in weight. No worries. I'll fight Rumble. Two, two weeks job. notice. Two weeks notice. Mental. Yeah, I'll go and do it, mate. I'll go and fight Rumble Johnson, the biggest puncher in the light heavyweight division. I'll go and have a go. There's not what even a lad. There's not even enough money in the UFC for me to fight Rumble Johnson. He's a lad, isn't he? He's probably the one guy I wouldn't fight for all the money in the world because he punched you into next week. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now, even though Misasi's got big balls and he would step up to light heavyweight and take on Rumble in Toronto, um, let's talk about his proper weight division where he's doing a, a job on everybody at this moment in time in the middleweight division at 185 pounds because there's a lovely mix coming at this moment in time. We spoke last week that uh, it's looking highly likely to be Bispin and Yo Romero, okay? Yeah. Um, and you eulogised. You you said uh, you spat ball a, a few matchups that you think might happen. Well, there's noises from Masasi's camp that he fancies Luke Rockhold, as you mentioned last week. Well done, you. I tell you, mm-hmm. we're going to get Nick picks on when we get the betting sponsor on this particular show <laughs> because you seem to be calling everything right. I think you've got some behind-the-scenes info, mate. That's what I think. <laughs> um, but here's my tip. This is what I reckon is going to happen. Do you know last week when you were you were talking about um, Bispin Romero uh, and maybe Musasi Rockhold or maybe Jacare Rockhold on the same card at some point at the start of next year? Yeah. I'm going to go Bispin Romero, Jacare Rockhold, Musasi, Whitaker, all on the same card. After what happened at the weekend, Whitaker's got to be in the mix for a top five opponent. Yeah, I thought he was outstanding on Saturday night. and uh, What a finish, man. No it was messing. A great finish. He just went in no messing, didn't he? It was a great finish against a very dangerous opponent in Brunson. To be honest with you, as good as Whitaker was, listen, it's not easy when you're in your home country and you're stepping up to the main event and your first ever main event, all eyes on you is the old Aussie, Aussie, Aussie road and stuff like that. Listen, there's there's a lot of pressure that comes with that and I thought Whitaker handled it superbly. he come under the barrage from Brunson but he didn't panic. He knew Brunson has got massive holes in his offence, massive holes, and he just waited for his opportunity. Brunson, you can see why he's been knocking so many people out recently because he just runs forward <laughs> and throws leather and 
Whitaker knew that as well. So he all he had to do was just weather the storm because eventually, because he can bang himself, eventually Brunson was literally going to run in and headbutt one of his fists. And that's kind of what happened. He was running forward. Whitaker finally caught him. Brunson was all over the place. Nice big head kick just to send us oh, send, him, send him west. And then he fi- fi- finished up with the punches to finish the fight. Whitaker for me, you're right. He's right in the mix with all those guys. Probably just behind Musasi right now. Will he get a fight with Musasi? I don't know. I don't, I don't know whether Whitaker. I'm only saying that because the others seem to be tied up, mate. Those top yeah, they four do. seem to be tied up. I still fancy Musasi Anderson Silva. I really do. I still fancy that fight to come off. But you're right. Whitaker is 100% in the frame now. Don't forget, Whitaker was linked with a fight with with Bisping not long ago as yeah. well. So his name has been mixed in the frame. But for a, for a former welterweight, this guy just gets better man. and better and better. He's really found himself at middleweight, didn't he? Because, if, you know, there was times at welterweight I watched him and I thought, oh, he's not up to it. Maybe he was too drained at the weight, I don't know. Well, that's it. It's a good lesson for all fighters, really, you know, that they, that you know, you shouldn't make weight. It's not like wrestling, you know, a lot of wrestlers bring this to the, to MMA and that's the fact that the, the wrestling mentality is boil yourself down as low as you can possibly go because then on the you're mats, massive. Yeah, you're you'll massive. be absolutely huge and you can use your weight and your strength advantage. MMA doesn't kind of work like that. You know, you need to be at a weight division that suits your body type. Look at Rumble Johnson. That There's a former welterweight, and he was knocking people out at welterweight. Yeah. But he was he knew he had a hole in his game. He knew he was susceptible to being hit. He knew he didn't have the energy. So he went away, fought, ended up fighting a heavyweight before he eventually moved back down light to light heavy, heavyweight. Yeah. And, then, and now Rumble has 100% found himself. Same thing's happened with Robert Whittaker. I think he's now he's let his body mature. He's a full-size middleweight. He's big at the waist as well. And right now, that kid is on a little hot streak, you know? Mm. And listen, Whitaker is my one. Whitaker, Chris Weidman. Boom. There you go. Dirty. Dirty from left field. He's brought in Chris Weidman. Where's Boom. he come from? He wasn't even in the room two minutes ago, man. He's here now. He is. Whitaker, Chris Weidman, 2017. You heard it here first. <laughs> can you hear that can you hear that that's everybody putting the podcast down now legging it to the book he's going hey Nick said it he said it it must be happening must be happening I know who's, who's, uh, who's replacing Joe Silver at the end of the year again you know no one rang me no one rang me maybe they should have but yeah the, the that, that, that's an awesome little weight class right now that middleweight really division is just popping left right and centre you know Bispen's obviously at the top of the tree for how long in 2017 we just don't know. But you know what? I like the Romero fight for him. I think Bispin poses some serious questions for Romero. His takedown defence is outstanding. His, uh, Bispin's boxing's outstanding. It's not a bad fight for Michael Bispin. When you look at the field, when you look at everybody else in the field, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, get him in with Romero. Much rather Romero than a rematch with Rockhold. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Uh, now, this weekend in the UFC is a little bit different. It's not a name card. It's not a fight night. It is the grand finale of the Ultimate Fighter. Mm. I love this particular season. The reason why I love this season is because um, a relative nobody, and that is no disrespect to people that are in uh, tough this year, a relative nobody is going to get a title shot at my favourite fighter, at Mighty Mouse. It's uh, title. Sorry, my phone's ringing here. Is this... It's it's Joanna Judraiser. Hi, Joanna. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, he's just said Demetrius Johnson's his favorite. And and no, baby, I know he usually says you're a favorite fighter. You know what he's like. The wind changes. He changes. All right, okay. I will let him know. All right, okay. Bye, bye. 
What yeah, did you say? Do you want to die sex? Said you, you're finished. That's you're it. Gone. It's over. No it's chance of me being a manager anymore. It's gone. 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 Oh, no. Anyway, Mighty, anyway, Mighty Mouse. Yeah, is my second favourite fighter, <laughs> <laughs> and they've, he's offered up his belt to the winner uh, of Tough this year. Um, it's a little bit weird because at the time of us recording this particular podcast, uh, they are having the Tough finale Wednesday night. Yeah, in um, in America. Yeah. So, so, so Marty Mouse doesn't even know his opponent yet. I do. Four days out. I do. What do you mean you do? I do. Didn't you see? Didn't you see the cable American cable TV company released it yesterday? No. <laughs> they put it out on their like Sky Planner. They're not supposed to. I know it was a complete and utter balls up. But uh, they put it out. Yeah, Tim Elliott's going to fight Mighty Mouse on Saturday night for the title. I didn't know that. I, it was I, on like American TV, whatever it was. I don't think it was the Fox Planner, but whatever channel the tough the uh, tough finale is on, it must it must have been Fox. The uh, if you if you went on there, um, you know the Planner, mm. and you press I on the Planner, you know people are like people look at these things, and it said on Saturday night, uh, Demetrius Johnson defends his belt against tough finalist Tim Elliott. Uh, for the title after he wins the show, and you're like, uh-oh. And they took it down now? They took it down now, yeah, yeah, but it was up there, man. Yeah, Tim Elliott's going to be fighting him on Demetrius Johnson for the title. It's, do you know what? I've enjoyed this tough. And I don't mean that to sound, you know, too negative, but let's be honest, tough needs a bit of a facelift. We love it. You know, we would the UFC wouldn't be where it is without the ultimate fighter. It made it. But uh, let's be honest, it, it gets a bit tiresome watching a different group of people in the same house do the same things mm. over and over. But I thought this season, the quality's been really good. Every, you know, Pretty much every flyweight in this tournament is either a current champion from a different promotion or a former high-level champion. And um, I think that's just worked really well because the quality's been excellent. And uh, I think that's made, made, made for a really interesting tournament, you know, just to see in their interactions and... I'm looking forward to the judges' fight as well, Benavidez versus Sejudo. I was going to ask you about that, yeah, because it's a fight. I mean, we've spoke about uh, Henry Sejudo quite a lot on this uh, podcast over the last few months. This is a big night for him, isn't it? I mean, he's he's he's. Would you say it's a coming of age fight? He's got to really step up. Yeah, because obviously he lost the title shot, didn't he? And we were all, you know, Sejudo obviously is an Olympic caliber wrestler, so we were kind of when he fought Mighty Mouse. Uh, back in April for the title, we were we were kind of saying, "Is this the guy to to defeat Mighty Mouse?" Finally, the fact that he's got I so wasn't, much... I wasn't. He's me, he's my second favorite fighter, as so... I just pointed out. <laughs> but we were we were thinking he was going to ask serious questions. Mm. Ultimately, he didn't because Mighty Mouse is absolutely outstanding. But it was his first defeat, his first defeat in in ten fights. So it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back now against Benavidez because Benavidez is the business. You know that Benavidez is. Proven himself, you know, time and again that he's world class. He's obviously he's fought Demetrius Johnson himself twice, two world title fights, and uh, the first one was a, a brilliant fight. So uh, it's a it's a real it's a tough one for Sejudo. But again, it, the the problem we've got here is, and this is the problem with the entire flyweight division, whether it's Tim Elliott or whether the cable company got it wrong, and, it, and it's somebody else. You don't see anyone beating Mighty Mouse, do we? No. There's nobody out there that beats Mighty Mouse or flyweight. I'm sorry, it's just not happening. What I want to see in 2017, and we've spoke about this in Fighters Only in the mag a few times, it's like, let's see Demetrius Johnson now go, right, you know what? Ain't nobody beating me in this weight class. Ain't nobody at 1 to 125 pounds on the planet can beat me. So, done. I'm going to go to 135 and test myself. Mm. I'm going to move up willingly and see if I can compete 
with the best bantamweights on the planet and go back in with Dominic Cruz or whatever it may be up at bantamweight and see how he goes. Because for me, the flyweight division below Demetrius Johnson's are very good. There's there's excellent Sejudos, Benavidez, you know, there's some excellent guys there who are jostling. But at the moment, they just seem to be jostling to be the next guy to get beat by Demetrius Johnson again. Most of them have been beat by him anyway, mm. which is why they were doing this tough tournament to try and get someone a bit different. As it's turned out, you know, Tim Elliott, if we're led to believe Tim Elliott is the guy that wins tonight and, and fights Demetrius Johnson on Saturday, well, Tim Elliott lost to Joe Benavidez not too long ago. So Tim Elliott wasn't seen as good enough to fight Demetrius Johnson as a contender but he was good enough to go on the show and, and fight for the chance. Do you know what I mean? So he got cut by the UFC. He, he went and fought for a different promotion. He's become a champion. I think it's Titan or one of that legacy or something. He's entered tough now. You know, he wasn't good enough to stay in the UFC, but he's good enough to win tough. And now he's going to get a fight at Demetrius Johnson. It's just hard to see anyone beating Demetrius Johnson. And I just think he should move on to try and really rubber stamp his legacy as one of the greatest of all time and let the rest of the flyweights fight it out, man. Do you think that the way that they've set up tough this particular time will be setting the president going forward? And with that, what I mean is, obviously, Demetrius Johnson's there. You get a title shot at somebody at the end of tough. Do you think that is going to be the way that this goes going forward? Um, they might do, because as I say, it's been an entertaining show. You know, it's been interesting. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a bad idea to go round all the more regional uh, promotions and hoover up all of their champions and, yeah. and bring them to the UFC in this manner. You know, it's... Uh, and I've seen Matt Schnell, who, who lost in the semis or the quarterfinals, has actually got a fight on this card on Saturday as well. I like that kid. I remember watching him years ago on MTV Caged. MTV did like a reality show thing, and he was a little star on that. So it's good to see people follow, you know, follow their careers and, and come on. And and that's what Tough does. It allows people to get the opportunity that necessarily aren't just a straight UFC. It's like an audition, if you like, a very public audition. So it's worked. Would it work at, at welterweight? I think it'll be interesting. Middleweight, I don't know. It's tough to it's tough to do a middleweight yeah. tournament of non UFC guys and say the winner's going to fight like Bispin, for example, the, the Bispin, because the rest of the middleweight division will be like, I, I fucking hell. I, t- I tell you what, though, if if the, the the title fight on Saturday night is a good fight and lives up to it, yeah, then I can see it filtering out. You know, I mean, <laughs> if, if if Demetrius Johnson just absolutely bingles this kid early, you know what I mean, yeah. like within a minute, then okay, everybody's going to go. Well, that was a waste of time. But if this goes into the later rounds, then people are going to go. This is there's something in this. But the talent pool of flyweight's so weak, you see. That you know that's what I'm trying to say about Demetrius Johnson moving up voluntarily just just for the competition because there's there's nobody in the top ten that he hasn't already beat up good style, hmm. and there's not a, a lot of depth there. Whereas the middleweight division which we've been talking about. You know, there's half a dozen guys that have been former champions or current champions. Yeah, or, fair enough. They'd all be pissed off. I and suppose, then we've got the Whitaker. Yeah, so imagine if if they did a middleweight tournament of yeah. non-UFC guys, where where would that Whitaker's probably no five or six in the world? Musashi maybe five, four or five. Yeah, you're gonna push them down for someone that's never even fought in the UFC to fight Bisman. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure Bisman would sign up for it. <laughs> <laughs> Bisman would be like, ah, yeah, bring it on. But yeah, I think that's why it's worked here. Because they haven't got that depth in the flyweight division. Yeah, fair enough. It could work. This is where it could work. Another one of my predictions coming off here. Look, get a pad and pen. Chris Cyborg, 145 ah. women's division. What a nice little way to kick off a 145 women's division with a special season of tough, hosted by Chris Cyborg versus 
another 145 or even better you know someone like a holly hom moving up to 145 to fight cyborg they host in a show that would work in a similar format to this uh, this season of tough this is the fight disciples podcast subscribe now via the itunes store now as we're making this podcast there is quite a big announcement going on over in the united states of america a redefining announcement Five of the most well-known fighters in the UFC uh, are starting a fighters' association. The group, headlined by all-time great George St. Pierre, uh, will be called Mixed Martial Arts Athletes Association. Easy for me to say, and will focus on the, uh, evening the playing field between fighters and the UFC. Uh, they've just announced it now, um, so you probably know at the time of listening to this podcast a lot more. Uh, about this particular announcement uh, than what I'm about to tell you. This is hot off the press for me right now, but you can be listening to this at any time because that's the beauty of the podcast. Uh, So apologies for that. We're going to put a special show out on this particular announcement and what it means uh, for fighters connected uh, to mixed martial arts, UFC in particular. Uh, George St. Pierre was joined, uh, by the way, by Tim Kennedy, Ken Velasquez, uh, Donald Cerrone and TJ Dillashaw. Those five fighters are going to be making up the association's first board. Um, Former Bellator owner Bjorn Redney was also involved in this, and he's going to be a part of the MMAAA, we'll get there eventually, uh, as an advisory, a support role. GSP, Velasquez and Dillashaw are all former UFC champions. Of course, uh, Donald Cerrone's got a contract for a fight, which is upcoming. What I want to say on this particular announcement is that all five of those guys deserve a round of applause. Anybody that speaks out about the current working conditions, opposing the way that they are being treated by their boss, I suppose, deserves a huge pat on the back. This could be trailblazing. It's in its early stages. The announcement's only just been made. I'm sure the dust is going to be settling, and I'm no doubt you listening to this right now will have more information on it than I do right at this moment. But this could be a game changer in the world of UFC. Now, one of the things that has confused me a touch regarding this announcement is because I was automatically thinking this is a fighter's union, a trade union. That's the best way that we can announce that, I suppose, uh, for our UK fight fans. However, Rebney made it very clear um, that the MMAAA is not a union, a union would delay all things that the fighters want. Rebney said that the unity of an association would give the fighters real power against the UFC, even if it's not legal in the eyes of the National Labour Relations. Um, Rebney, for example, gave examples of how they could act uh, against the UFC, and that would be, in effect, going on strike by taking action against the UFC, by going on strike, taking the Labour away from the organisation which would have massive, huge effects on the UFC because they rely on the fighters to turn up and do the business. That's what we buy into at the end of the day, don't we? I'm sure my thoughts will develop more over the next 24 to 48 hours as I understand what this actually is and what it means for the UFC going forward. But I'm sure we all agree that we want fairer deals for our fighters. We want our fighters to be recompensed uh, correctly. We don't want them to be mugged off. We want them to feel like they're getting a fair deal. And I think every fighter, whether it be UFC, boxing, whatever, deserves that. They are putting their lives on the line when they step in to the octagon. The UFC 
was sold for $4 billion in August. The fact that fighters in the UFC, their wages make up 8% of what the UFC brings in is absolutely crazy. They are the reason why that sale went through at $4 billion. More needs to be done to level that playing field, to uh, line the pockets of the people that are putting their lives on the line. The guys that are going in for surgery after every single fight. Cain Velasquez actually made a great point in this particular announcement that he became a professional in the UFC in 2008. And since then, he's had seven surgeries, of which have all come out of his pocket from his, uh, his fight purse. Something more has got to be done to help these guys, whether it be healthcare or whatever. Hopefully, this is a good thing for fighters that gives them leverage against the UFC to get a fairer deal. We will be releasing a special show on this to give you more information, more uh, detailed look uh, on this particular announcement made uh, basically moments ago uh, over in the States. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Once again, thank you very much for downloading the Fight Disciples podcast. If you don't subscribe, please do so. Very simple to do. Go to fightdisciples.com. Uh, the buttons are there, however you want to get us. Preferably on iTunes. That'd be wonderful if you could. Hit the subscribe button, write us a review. Everybody's happy. You'll never miss out on any of our content. If you want to join the conversation on a daily basis, please follow us on social media. At Fight Disciples uh, on Facebook. We are on Twitter and we are also on Instagram. Thank you very much, and I'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.